All right, I am here in Sedona, Arizona with my lady, one of my mentors, one of my favorite people on the planet, Anahata Ananda. I'm also with my lady, Natasha, and uh, our two incredible kids, and my dude, Christian, and a lot of family has come out here to visit with us, and it has been hectic and awesome all rolled into one. And life itself is hectic and awesome and all rolled into one. So I'm here to talk with Anahata about some of the ways we navigate these murky, murky waters that we're in right now. And if you are uncertain about what's happening in the world, I've got a really special podcast coming up with Mickey Willis. And he did the documentary Plandemic as well as the documentary Plandemic Indoctrination, which is available on freeform.tv, which is Brian Rose's freestanding media company and they've been exposing a lot of stuff going on in the world um again don't don't spend too much time on that with anahata here today but just want to plant that seed for a future episode that's going to be released in a couple weeks and uh that's about it there are many ways you can support this podcast for sure uh help out our sponsors and also stay tuned uh in the show notes you get links for all this stuff as usual but anahata is doing a free guided animal spirit journey which is incredible It's a free gift for all the listeners, and we'll have links to that in the show notes as well. We are brought to you by One Farm. One Farm is making the best CBD on the planet. It is 100% USDA certified organic. They have a single farm, single origin farm of cannabis plants out in Colorado, and uh, they are doing it the right way. They are using 100% CO2 extraction, leaving nothing but the good stuff. Every cannabinoid possible. It is full spectrum, as well as all the terpenes and alkaloids that you would find in a plant the way nature made it with nothing else but the good stuff. Their tinctures are some of my favorite as well as very high quality night serums, facial creams. I use their chapstick all week here in Arizona because I'm used to humidity now, oddly enough, and it's quite dry here in AZ. So check them out, onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. We are also brought to you today by Lucy. Lucy.co is a phenomenal place that is making nicotine chewing gum the easiest way to get one of the best nootropics on the planet into your body. As you may know, I am a huge fan of this. Aubrey, in his book, uh, Own the Day, Own Your Life, is a very good book. And there's a whole section on nicotine as a nootropic as one of the very best possible ways to enhance memory, learning, language recall, and many other things. And yes, you do feel good. That is why a lot of people tend to like nicotine products. But as you know, as with many things in life, there are, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do it. And chewing gum is one of the easiest ways to get this high powered brain food into your body. And Lucy has three different flavors. They're all phenomenal. I'm chewing it right now. I'm just leaving it in the corner of my mouth so you don't hear me smacking my teeth. But if you go to lucy.co and enter KKP at checkout, you're going to get 20% off everything in their store. That is lucy.co. Enter code word KKP at checkout. Lucy, L-U-C-Y dot C-O. Enter KKP at checkout. You're going to get 20% off everything there as a great way to boost the brain. Another, and perhaps my uh, my favorite nootropic on the planet, brain boosting as well as energy boosting, is a product called Purpose by the company Sovereignty. And many of you heard me talk about this in recent weeks. I firmly believe there's nothing like this on the planet. They use um, about 150 milligrams of caffeine, 75 of which is going to hit you immediately, and 75 is going to be time-released. So again, think of this as a cup of coffee and then another slow-drip cup of coffee coming in over the next uh, four to six hours. In addition to that, adaptogenic herbs, uh, many, many good things, and probably the biggest powerhouse of all is a product called CBN. CBN is a nootropic cannabinoid. It is like CBD, but it works specifically on the brain and has been shown 
to do a lot of cool stuff, then I don't want to overstep my bounds here on what science has proven. But try this out. You will not be disappointed. And in fact, they understand you will not be disappointed so much that they are doing a money-back guarantee unlike anyone else. If you don't like the product, they're going to give you 100% of your cash back. But because it's a hassle to get it and not like your product, they will also buy you any product you want. So any supplement you want in addition to 100% of your money back. Uh, no one's really doing that. I've never heard of this before. So they they really do stand by their product like no one else. And it works. It got me off modafinil and copious amounts of caffeine and really helped push me through uh, having a newborn. So you can find all this over at Sovereignty.co slash Kyle. So that is S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O slash Kyle. And of course, we will have that linked in the show notes because that is a big one there. But check those guys out. Last but not least, we are brought to you by Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines is organically grown. It's lab tested for purity. It has lower alcohol, so it's uh, going to be 12.5% or less. That means you can drink more and get away with it. It is keto and paleo friendly per bottle. They're going to have one gram of carbohydrate per bottle. That is unheard of. So completely sugar-free, zero to 0.15 grams per glass. And uh, I've gotten away with, with many good nights and woke up the next day just feeling like I didn't even drink one glass. I mean, and and this is coming from a guy who's had a glass of wine on an airplane and had a headache pretty, pretty, pretty significantly. Like, damn, I don't like the way I feel. And, And in large part, it's not just the fact that they're organically grown. It's the fact that they're not adding anything nasty to this. Most red wines have red dyes. They have added sulfites and a ton of other chemicals added into that and uh, sugar as well. And there is none of that. This is simply the most extraordinary natural wine you were ever going to try. It is my favorite way to drink, and it's the only way I drink, really. I might have a shot of tequila here and there, but if I'm drinking at my house or if I have friends over, it's always Dry Farm Wines. And they're doing an awesome deal for you. You can get an extra bottle when you subscribe to six bottles a month or six bottles every two months or six bottles every two weeks, however you want to do that subscription. You can choose... Uh, half and half, white and red. You can choose all white, all red. And if you like a bottle, this is a really cool feature. You can say, hey, I really like that bottle. And they'll send you out a whole box of it in your next shipment. Uh, many good ways to do this, but you're going to get an extra bottle of wine by signing up at dryfarmwines.com slash Kyle uh, for a penny. So just a penny for that extra bottle. That's dryfarmwines.com slash Kyle. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with Anahata, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, we're here in Sedona at Spirit Ranch. <laughs> My beautiful and sweet sister, Anahata. Thank you. You have just, um, just blessed us, blessed our daughter, Wolf, here on the land with Bear Mountain behind us. It's our view. If you're watching this on YouTube, you don't quite have the same view, but at least you get to look at our pretty faces. <laughs> and um, let's see, we had an excellent conversation the last time you were on the show that needs to be rekindled because the files were lost and as uh we've come to understand there are no mistakes so <laughs> i'm joining you here you made your way to austin <laughs> in february it must and be even better now with uh with a, f- a few more months of of experience and lessons and humility yeah um, and we you know it's funny because we you know we guided uh breath work with you and we're going to dive into that on Aubrey's birthday at uh, Black Swan Yoga. And it was such an incredible experience. I mean, as you know, you've, you've been doing this for many years. Each time you go through it on that side of it, it's, uh, it's, it's really eye-opening and heart-opening. Mm. 
And, um, you know, Aubrey said he, he couldn't imagine what a shift too, by the way, but he couldn't imagine spending his birthday any other way, you know, really, really powerful and special. And I definitely want to talk about that. But if we think of a, of a why, there might be a good reason why, and you're someone I can have on the show every freaking quarter, no problem. <laughs> um, so much wisdom to share, but what's happened since February 28th and now, yeah, we yeah. got, a, we got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and now perhaps more than ever, there is an importance for us to find peace within, to remain, uh, in our center, you know, with a clear head and a clear heart so that we make proper decisions and, um, and really just operate from that space knowing where peace lies, yeah. not outside of us. So, um, man, there's just so much to talk about here. Let's, let's talk, let's first start, I guess, with, with everything that's happened and everything that's going on outside of us. How can we find a space within us? How can we learn where our center is so that we can operate from a place of equanimity? Mm. Beautiful question, and and it is so necessary. And this whole this whole experience has called us in. And if we're not accustomed to going in, it's kind of forcing it. And if we avoid go going in, it just is a chaos amplifier. Uh, and so, for those that know how to do it or have had practice doing it, it it has it becomes something that needs to be a daily practice. Instead of just, I visit this occasionally during chaos, it becomes a, a medicine tool that we use daily just because it is such a shit, sh shit show every single day. A new, an, a, you know, a, you know, a new level of uncertainty, a new level of censorship, a new level of uh, unpredictability that the human in its natural construct is not accustomed to handle so much change all at once and just goes into shock lockdown. That's why we see, you know, uh, alcohol and sedation. We see so much uh, rising. Domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. because we're going to go back to our teddy bears, our comfort. We're going to go back to what is familiar and that isn't always things that are in our highest and best good. You know, our shadow comes out and, you know, we sedate or we blame or get angry or act out. And so as we move closer to the eye of the needle as a species where things are need to evolve in order for us to maintain um, staying here on the planet. Basically, let's let's just cut to it. <laughs> let's just cut to it. We're talking about whether or not we are really going to sustain in a thriving state as a species um, or if we're just going to self-destruct uh, along with the planet. And, you know, uh, as Hummingbird just goes by, this is the opportunity to evolve our frequency to one of joy, to one of collaboration, cooperation. And in doing so, we have to learn the skill of unplugging, slowing down, and going inward. And that's where we're going to find our joy, because the joy is not going to come from the outside means or external stimulation or external validation. And all of those that have provided that for a short term 
uh, certainly aren't sustainable. And so this is a time where we get to drop in and learn, if we haven't yet learned, how to unplug, how to get quiet, how to listen, and how to feel. And these are all feminine qualities. And it, 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 you know, because if we rush into action, uh, we tend to jump from one fire into a hotter fire. We tend to, you know, add gas to the flames of things that are already hot and cause more trouble and cause more harm. And so this is about being extremely mindful about our choices right now, which requires stillness and reflection so that the internal alignment can happen before the external movement is chosen. And it's the, the eye of the needle is a very, very narrow space. There's a lot outside of the eye of the needle that is not your path, that is not true, that is not aligned, that is not the right time, or it's not going to support who you are becoming or what is needed in the future new paradigm. So the eye of the needle for all of us is getting us to focus, 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 and be really discerning about what is mine, what is not, what is true, what is false, what is aligned and what isn't, and have some radical, courageous honesty um, to be able to discern that. And this is where the tribe comes in to help encourage that, support that, and uh, so that we, in, in that process of figuring that out on our own, that we're not alone in that process. This is where the tribe is so important right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And <clears throat> I think for many of us, and, and for most of my life, you know, uh, it, social media is a climate that's not always the best. And I've, I've certainly, I see the pros and many, many more cons than I do see in the pros. But it is, it's, it's funny to me how many people point out like, oh yeah, you know, you got your rich friends and you can just fly to the Amazon and do all these things. And, and we don't have access to that. And truthfully, I've, I've, you know, and I've, I've compassionately responded with love in situations like that and let people know like, yeah, I lived in my mom's garage for six years. Like we, <laughs> we definitely paid our dues and at the same time are very fortunate. No two ways about it. But like many people, especially in the West, I didn't grow up with elders who knew the way, who had a remembrance and a reverence for all things sacred, who knew how to tune in in the importance of being in nature and being on the land and in connecting in that way. I don't think, you know, most of us in modern culture, you know, have had that in, in, in our modern day communities. Um, that's why we're so empty and soulless in the West is because we have been devoid of that anchor and that guiding, that path to guide ethics and integrity and to always have nature as a playground, as a sanctuary, as a church, and as a classroom. Um, and this is one of the things that I know that you are teaching your kids um, to do. And it's something that I brought you know, to my kids is that if I expose them to nature as a sanctuary, then anytime they get stuck, lost, overwhelmed, sick, they will always find their way back. I don't need to be there. They'll find their medicine by rock climbing. They'll find their medicine by taking time away from the busyness of every day and, and find water to play in. And so this is accessible to everybody, even if you are quarantined into your living room because our mind does not have 
uh, you know, no one has a quarantine on our ability of our mind to travel. And we have, we've been gifted with an imaginative mind that no one can censor. And this is our, this is our superpower as a species. And we, it is so underutilized is to be able to say, well, I can go to the Amazon. I can go to the top of the mountain. I can be the mountain. I can sit with any elder from any time from any tribe in my mind space. I can be a student. I can learn. I can be healed. I can see things. I can be shown things. I can learn things when I, when I allow myself to be the student. The whole point of going to the jungle and sitting in a maloka is to allow your, it just puts yourself in the position of being a student. You can do that in your backyard. You can do that in your living room. You can just ask a tree, a plant, an element, what medicine, what can I learn from you today? And that doesn't require us to be in any other geography other than an open-mindedness geography in the mind. And this is a power, this is a superpower so underutilized by us because we feel like we have to go somebody or somebody else has to do it. And because we're, you know so so many of us are so lost, we sometimes have a guide or a plant to show the way until we can find our own way, and and we learn our own way, because it's not it's not ideal to develop you know whole different types of codependent relationships either. We want you know mushrooms might might get you to see the beauty in nature, in the little things of a teeny flower. But once your eyes are opened, then they don't necessarily have to, then, then they're open. Um, when, when ayahuasca shows you your shadow and you get accustomed to facing your fears, well, then you can go in the darkness without her holding your hand. You know, you can, you can do that with that willingness to say, what am I afraid to feel right now? Where am I afraid to be seen? Who am I afraid to fail in front of? And where is my heart afraid to love again? Those are questions you can ask yourself. I, just, I absolutely love those questions. And I feel like, um, I forget the book I was reading, but they talked about how we have really been taught concentration and meditation. But in between the two, if we look at this triangle, there's contemplation, yeah. where we are in a reflective state, but it is a state of peace. It is a state of calm. It's not the monkey mind going from problem to problem. It is a restful, inquisitive, and mindful space where we actually sit with the thing that's troubling us. That's and I think these, these questions of inquiry are, are super important because at the end of the day, can I be with this? Can I be with this uncertainty? Can I be with the unraveling of systems that for so long we trusted in the great significance of America and the great potentials of modern society. And then we see, hey, uh, our food systems might kind of be screwed up. Our financial system might be kind of screwed up. We might need to rework quite a bit of what we have going on in preparation for anything, in preparation for the grid going down, in preparation for financial collapse, and in, in seeing, you know, as Charles Eisenstein puts it, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Yeah. Right? But it is, it is in the acceptance of these things that can be tricky. And I feel like sitting with that is it's, it's, it's very challenging. It's very challenging because everything's changing rapidly. And I think these questions can help us reflect on these things in a way that maybe just trying to quiet the mind doesn't quite work. Right. This in is times self inquiry. Like self inquiry is a powerful pathway to awareness and Nobody else can answer those questions because of our own constructs. And that's where 
what am I feeling? What do I believe? And then we get to look at the disillusionment of that when we see, oh, when we had a, a parent on a pedestal, and then the disillusionment happens, oh, they're flawed. Oh, they don't actually have the answers to every question that I have. Oh, I followed them down the path, and they don't actually know the way. And so we get to sit with our own disillusionment, whether it's the government, whether it's a parent, whether it's, wow, I followed a path that wasn't mine, and, and I lost who I am, or I sedated myself out of my own authenticity, and, and which I have done before as well. And, and we, we just get to sit with the reality of where things are, not from a place of a judgment or a critic or from a place of blame, but from a place of inner reflection, where am I? Where am I? And if we don't honestly look at that and we don't honestly look at what are the weeds in the garden along with me <laughs> and we can sit there saying well my my garden's full of weeds and it's his fault and she didn't show me the way and my dad placed this there and society did this as a child that's fine it's still your garden all of that may be true and yet you're an adult with your own garden and it has now a fence around it that you can create that says now i am the keeper and i choose how i learn I am, I am the only one that can remove weeds, sometimes with assistance if needed, from, from my garden. And I'm also the gardener, so that means that I'm the one in charge of the seeds and selecting those seeds so that mother, father, teacher, other is not in charge of selecting the heirloom seeds that fit your garden for this season. You're the only one that can feel and discern that. Even if you're in this deep, soulful partnership with another, that's still not their role to determine what seeds are you to plant in your fertile garden right now, what weeds would choke out those seeds, what is not yours, what is yours, what's blocking that, is it a fear, a doubt, a limitation, a pain, a wound, and the, the courageous act of, okay, well, let me clean house. If this is the state of my garden, whether it's being honest about your physical health or your wounded heart or your bruised ego or in, in insecurities, whatever is there with inquiry and compassion and awareness, we can meet it and then say, okay, well, what doesn't belong and how do I get rid of it? Not from a place of anger, but from a place of, I don't need to hold this resentment any longer or I don't need to feed this insecurity that I'm not good enough or that my voice doesn't matter or that I'm unlovable. All of these stories that were weeded into our garden and, and choked out our own light. Then we have the, the responsibility to our own soul's path to weed those things out and then get into the deep listening, which no one can do for us. They can support us with the process, but no one can actually do it for us, is that deep inquiry of, what seeds are my passion seeds right now that are being called to nourish, be nourished? Just as you felt years ago that there was a seed of another child coming and you, you knew that that was a passion seed. You shared that, that truth with me. You fed it. You nourished it. You waited it. You, t you waited for it. You tilled the soil. And here, here comes the fruit of that, you know, that intention and feeding that seed in this little wolf cub. <laughs> And you will also, you know, have the opportunity to watch her 
um, and support her finding her own path and her own seeds. And, and this is the journey right now of the individual path, but supported by the tribe. Because we, we need, you know, we do need the, the support in the community at, at now, but also the awareness that I have to make these choices. I have to weed the garden, and it's my responsibility to nourish these seeds, but I don't have to do it alone. Yeah, community's been one. I think that's been and really circling. Uh, we've had everyone's interpretations of, of animal, insect, and plant medicine is different, <laughs> but we've had a lot of honeybee medicine, yeah. and that is big-time community. Uh, they were coming into our house, and Tosh was like, there's too many fucking honeybees in here. What's going on? I'm like, oh, I think this is not not a mistake, you know? And um, certainly in, in feeling into that within our, our nuclear family, the growing of that tribe, as well as the growing of Fit for Service and the growing of the community in Austin. You know, I've had a lot of friends, um, you know, reach out to us, Aubrey and I, and, and they're moving in and not in the house, but they're moving into Austin. And, um, you know, we all have have these these lands we connect to. I, I spent seven years in Arizona and this is always my second home. Yeah. You know, and, and as it is for Aubrey as well. Yeah. It's just incredible here, this space. But we, all that to say, like, it is so critical that we start to think in that way, that we're not just thinking about our nation or our, you know, giant space globally for sure, but but bringing it back down to the community, um, finding elders and teachers that can guide us, whether that's through books or podcasts or online with yourself and the services that you've um, really taught me so much with, you know, I, I'd love to to really break down some of the differences between the divine feminine and the divine masculine. I know we touched on that in previous podcasts, but so important in times like this that we understand how to listen internally and what is the right action with discernment, yeah. you know, that Archangel Michael medicine yeah. in times that are, that are, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to describe it. I mean, here we are. So I'd like to dive into that and then circle back to some of these practices that are so transformative. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, it feels like it's time for us to return to some of the more traditional ways of of connecting deep to the land and and also honoring the power and the medicine of the feminine and masculine. And I don't mean just female or male. We're talking about that you know the left side of our bodies and the right side of our brain is really expressed more the feminine nature, the creativity, um, the tenderness, receptivity. And right now, with everything that's happening, it's essential that the feminine lead, that the listening, the stillness, the compassion, the nurturing, and the healing, um, and the patience, all of those qualities really come forward more. As it gets bumpy, really bumpy and we get bruised around a lot by relationship changes by career changes financial shifts like it's it's been bumpy and if we don't honor the bruises that are happening and if we don't listen to if we don't listen to uh what is this trying to invite me to let go of then we create our own pain and suffering by holding on to things that uh, are not supporting who we're becoming or they're keeping us from growing into the next 
going into the next chapter. And so in the process of letting go, it's painful and it's scary and it's uncomfortable. And that's where the feminine qualities of, of compassion and patience and nurturing are so vital during these times. And the listening is, and what's my next move? Um, and so if we look at the tribe, when the tribe, you know, traditionally on the land, they didn't have, you know, Google Maps. They didn't, they didn't have, you know, uh, the Internet. They did not have weather uh, that they can just pull up on their phone. They had to deeply listen and intuit. Is it time to move the tribe? Is winter coming early? Where where are the buffalo? You know, they had to intuit these things. They had to connect to that place of spirituality and consciousness, which is all actually held on the feminine side. The seer, the oracle, the intuitive, all of it, the feeling, the sensitive, uh, the ceremonialist, all held on the side of the feminine that acknowledges change, listens, and then is the GPS. Uh, that points the way, then what happens is we bring forward the masculine. And the masculine who listens and, uh, and honors and comes from that compassionate place, partnering with the feminine, now has clear direction and is not coming angry, rushed, arrogant, pushy, um, or forceful. When the, the masculine part of us is paired with that intuitive, receptive presence, then he knows exactly where he's going and she's going to help guide as he takes the first step, the courageous step into the unknown. And this is the power of the, of the divine masculine is the courageous step into the unknown to face our fears to let go of things, to move forward, to speak up, to stand for things that are absolutely not okay. This is where our masculine comes in. It, like as we see with the you know the latest big movements, our shadow collectively is coming up like right in our face for us to see how ugly the darkness is and how destructive it is unless we bring it out to the shadows, bring it out of the shadows and into the daylight to be seen and involved and transformed. So those people that are the warriors are going to be the truth tellers. They're going to be the way showers. They're not always going to be popular. They're all, they're going to take, you know, often criticism from those that would keep it the same. Pioneers get a lot of arrows in the back. Exactly. Because <laughs> they're leading the way. And yet that becomes an innovation. Oh, to, to craft an arrow a different way because it lands more more succinctly in in its target then it becomes then it becomes the way so this is these are the path these are the way showers the innovators and the divine masculine is that he stands for truth archangel michael has his sword of truth and it's a sword of light it's a sword of consciousness it's not a man-made sword and so it cuts through the veil of what is false and what is true, what is ethical, what is not, what is fear, and what is faith, and courageously moves boldly into the unknown. And as we create the new paradigm and the old paradigm falls, we're going to need that divine masculine um, to, to be a leader. And in a cooperative way, the old paradigm of the unhealthy masculine is to be the tyrant, to be the bully, to be the hoarder, to like be 
the king that is the oppressor. And that's not the way of the paradigm going forward. It's going to be where the leaders are the tribe gatherer gatherers and knows that, wow, when we blend our skills and when we blend our different perspectives, we're stronger because this person in the tribe has this gift and this person has this ability to see. This one can hunt. This one can feel. This one is phenomenal at weaving. This one plants the seeds. And that's where the fabric of the tribe is stronger with our diversity. And we're not trying to be the same. And we're not holding power in the seat of one person's control. It is diversified. And when we would have the Anipi, when we would have, which is the which is the sweat lodge, or when we would have the peace pipe council, the peace pipe was shared equally among everyone that was at the circle because the opinions and perspectives were all valued and weighted. That says, wow, you know what? Hadn't thought about that. Hadn't considered that. That's a, that's a good idea. And it, then all of those ideas, all of that perspective is then woven into with the seer or the oracle feeling what is the, what is the, what is the next right step. So we have this power within us to have the feminine to look at where am I wounded? Where am I holding on to something? Because a, a, an animal in nature doesn't hunt when it's wounded. It does not hunt. Anytime we see a deer or a bear that has a gash, it goes in and it, it goes in and it hibernates and it heals. That's not the time to be active. It's not the time to hunt um, because we, we, we tend to become dinner. You know, we, we tend to become prey and be our own worst enemy by the arrogance of saying, I can go out and serve right now when I'm actually wounded. And so this is a wonderful time to sit and look at how can I be fit for service and what is in the way of that and let that be my main priority. That's the feminine wise enough to nurture, listen, and heal, receive divine guidance to be then, and then how do I move going forward? And I believe that that marriage of the feminine and masculine together is really the sacred union of, of, our, of, of the human superpowers is when the feminine and the masculine are in sacred union together, deeply respecting what each is bringing to the table and working together in harmony. I feel like that's where our greatest solutions are coming from. And a paradigm that is sustainable will be birthed from, the, from that union. It's so important, and it totally flies in the face of everything I was taught <laughs> as a kid, you know? It's, uh, yeah. And it's, it's an odd thing, too. You know, uh, I guess in a backwards way, ayahuasca taught me the importance of meditation and taught like hey, this is something you need to do it's not like it just dropped me into meditation it let me know this is a practice i need to start with and in that um and having read you know many books and connected to the land in different places to tune in to that frequency by slowing down by physically slowing down and by slowing down my mind um but entire books have been written about intuition you know osho has one yeah. uh it and it's it's funny because that just gets labeled like a female's intuition it's like look we're all we all have Absolutely. feminine and masculine properties within us if we can acknowledge that and respectfully ask for those things to show up where am i out of balance fine tuning that and leaning into wherever we've been absent from we can start to find that inner guidance and i think that's 
it's such an important piece that that really has been lost in the modern world. Yeah. Um, Amit Goswani wrote this incredible book called uh, Quantum Spirituality. He also wrote The Phys Physics of God, which Dr. Dan Engel recommended mm -hmm. to me. It's an incredible book. And um, he talked about that. And I know I mentioned it here before, but you know, we have this do, 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 do mentality. And the, it's the do, be, do, be, do song that we got to sing <laughs> through the states of being where we can find that guidance. And it's in those states of being where we tap into the feminine. We tap into our intuition. And really what we're using, the mind's design is to be a tool. It's not to be the whole thing. Right. The mind is not the entire thing. And the more we consciously try to figure out everything that's impossible to figure out, right? Like it's, it's impossible to see the future at this point, right? <laughs> so like, can I be with this? Can I sit? And just know what the, can I learn from me what's right? What is the next step for me? And let that intuition guide it and then bring in the masculine to do whatever it is that I've been gifted with, the information, the knowing that goes well beyond the conscious thinking. Absolutely. And it, this, this, this reminds me what you were talking about earlier is, is that it is the stillness that allows spirit in that consciousness of God in into inspired or inspiration comes from in spiritos to bring spirit in so we have to be still enough to be a vessel to allow spirit to come in so that the mind the monkey mind thinks it's the wizard of oz and it, it thinks it's the wizard and the grand the grand orchestrator and when there is humility which is a divine masculine quality the humble warrior says show me the way the arrogant warrior says, I am the way, I know the way, and then in doing so, doesn't see that there are many ways that are easier, more effective, um, more productive, um, less destructive. And so this has been the blindness for the last thousands of years of, of the ego saying, well, I know the way, and we've lost that. Um, what we're regaining, what we're remembering is the power of humility to ask for help, to be vulnerable, to do it together. Um, and to, and to be the student, to be the perpetual student yeah. and to know that there is always a blind spot in the human mind. There is always, there are always these constructs of false programs that are planted in there by someone else that we are dancing with that inhibit the ability to see clearly through uh, through our human lens. And if there is a, a humility enough and awareness enough to know that my glasses are foggy and that doesn't mean I'm less than just because I don't have a clear lens. But when I quiet myself and I actually close those very clouded eyes, that's why we see in the Buddha, his, his human eyes are closed and that allows his third eye, which is you know, 5D, 7D, uh, dimensional, it's not just 2D, and it is then absence of the blind spot, and it can see full spectrum, that when we're in that state of enlightenment or inspiration, we can bring spirit, we can bring light in, and we become wiser in those spaces, not um, from a place of I'm smarter than you, but we bring in 
a broader perspective that when we're in our primal survival mode is a very narrow part of the brain that doesn't see other possibilities. It does not look long-term and it does not consider the whole tribe. And that's what's happening with the way that big business is treating the planet. It is very primal. My, my profits now today, it's not thinking seven generations down the line. It's not thinking big picture. It's thinking about my pocket and that's it. And, you know, that is not a sustainable perspective. And so those of us in the tribe that are wise enough to pull back from that very narrow me, mine, present only perspective and some more feminine part of the brain to to look way back and like we have hawks here and in Sedona and eagles. Let's rise rise above and see the big picture. What's the long game here? Um, whether it's phys- physiology, what's the long game? Because I can be a fighter, and I can burn out, or you know I can be a boxer and I can get brain damage. And what's the point? What's the point? Of, of winning the trophy at the expense of my longevity and my happiness. <laughs> I had those thoughts towards the end of my career. I bet you did. Didn't have an option to win the trophy though. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, the stuff you're bringing up is so important. You know, I think it was Jung that said the shadow by definition cannot be seen, right? And, and there was a, an incredible podcast. I'll see if I can link to it in the show notes. If I can't, it's not because I'm lazy or I have a newborn, <laughs> simply because uh, Russell Brand, I think, went to a different podcast hosting site or something like that. You got to pay for it now. But one of his three podcasts he did with Jordan Peterson was on the parallels right after Jordan's 12 rules for life book came out. And they talked about how his rules are similarly follow the 12 step programs that Mm -hmm. many of us have seen in Alcoholics Anonymous or different things like that. But step one being that we must humble ourselves. We must say, I can't figure this out without your help and fill in that blank, whether that's God, uh, a mentor, a book, Mm -hmm. some, someone that can help you see your blind spot, someone that can help you sort this out. And we have to come to that place of humility to say, I don't, I can't fucking figure this out. I can't figure, and then not the whole thing. I mean, just me, like we're all in charge of our own kingdom, the kingdom of the entire earth, the kingdom of our community, the kingdom of our workplace, the kingdom of our family, and the kingdom of ourselves. Most importantly, yeah. our own inner kingdom, right? And so, so at the bare minimum, I think a requirement for moving forward is how am I operating? Am I in a rush? Am I focused on external forces I can't control? Am I worried about things that are outside of what I, what I have sovereignty over outside of what I can influence or am I operating from a place of peace and equanimity? Am I finding my center and knowing, okay, this is something I need help with. Can I humble myself and then ask for help with the thing that's going on within me? Absolutely. And, and I, in that humility is also question, why am I looking at it this way? I think there's a whole nother layer of self-inquiry that says, what is influencing my choice here? Is it from a program I picked up at four that said, I'm unimportant or my voice doesn't matter or this is the way it is? And so we're also having the opportunity as we humble ourselves and say, I need help, also is to question the constructs 
question, is this lens clear? Is it faulty in any way? Or is it somebody else's? Does, so does it not belong to me? Is it outdated? Um, and does it fit my ethics today of who I'm becoming? It might have fit me 10 years ago, but does it fit? And it might even fit me today, but if it doesn't fit who I'm becoming, it's becoming obsolete. And we, without self-reflection and inquiry, we have programs, faulty programs, outdated programmings running our choices that are decades old, that were acquired and corrupt when they were implemented. So in the self-inquiry process, as we humble ourselves and we look at it, it's also questioning what is the lens through which I'm seeing? And does it need to be upgraded? Does it need to be evolved? Is it time to let go of that way of doing, being, sedating, um, seeing, believing, walking, choosing, loving, making an income? And is there an opportunity in that humility? Is there an opportunity here for me to learn a new tool that is more appropriate for today? Uh, because I think so many of us are are still using an old, outdated tool and finding incredible frustration and diminishing returns that, well, when I just force, when I just push, when I hustle, this has worked before. It worked for my dad. And this is what I learned. And it worked for me in many ways. And yet here it's having diminishing returns. And unless I'm willing to look at it and and identify that perhaps the way I'm doing this is an outdated way and that there is a better, more conscious, more evolved way, or that fits my path and who I'm becoming. So that's, there's another layer. There's many layers. But that's another inquiry form is uh, that I've been, you know, diving through um, for decades is dismantling. Wait, that 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 isn't <laughs> even true. That isn't even the way I've been making my decisions about romance or about the next step or whatever it is about money, value, whatever it is. Um, it's actually completely false. And which is another humbling and scary and un uncomfortable space to look at. But this is the ground I've stood on to hustle, to force, to push, to bully, whatever it is, or to sedate or to ignore or to when it gets uncomfortable, I hide. Or um, when it gets uncomfortable, I sedate. When it gets uncomfortable, I blame. Distraction. Distraction, you name it. And to actually take the time to sit with, is this process or this belief or this strategy or this tool or this choice actually sustainable? Is it getting me the results that I really want going forward? And that, that may mean dropping a pattern or addiction of being right in relationship, let's just say. Um, as one that says, do I want to be right or do I want to be, do I want to understand my partner or do I want to win the argument? And I realized that that was one I brushed up against that said, wow, well, I was taught to win the argument. Yeah. Draw same. blood if needed. <laughs> and got, got good at that. And I also got really bloodied from that approach with others that were throwing daggers as well because I was taught by a dagger thrower to throw daggers. And I wasn't taught by a peacekeeper. And it took me a long time to lo really look at that pattern and saying, being right 
isn't necessarily a sustainable choice or pathway or tool. But can I can I choose to evolve that and to seek to seek understanding as a pathway to understand why somebody is feeling what they're feeling or believing what they're believing and and to question why I'm feeling and what I'm believing and is it coming from a contracted space or can it be upgraded to an expanded space? And that's been a deep rabbit hole of the disillusionment and the dis- dissolving of so many things that I've been taught that are just destructive choices. Whether it was sedating, you know, that was a big one is, you know, just sedating with alcohol, numbing, and my, my drug of choice was alcohol, to the point where I was like, I'm poisoning myself. Like, I finally got to see it. I'm actually poisoning myself. And this isn't at anybody else's hand but my own. And do I want to keep doing this? And that level of radical honesty and compassion and truth was so liberating. So in the self-discovery, you're going to find things that you've been familiar with and dancing with that have been woven into the fabric of who you are and that have created some form of stability and comfort or knowingness, like this is what's familiar, that will be inviting you to dissolve it and let go of it, which is a whole other part of the courageous path of the spiritual warrior. And we got to find that courage now. No question. All of us do. I want to talk, I want to bridge here, you know, even if we have had access and obviously there are qualifiers for that access from being able to take time off work, time away from family, financial, no, no doubt, um, to make it to the Amazon, to go on the, uh, pilgrimage, you know, to Mecca, to wherever it is that you're going to take these, these deeper, um, fast tracks into your own personal well-being. Um, but something that's available to us at all times is the breath and is one of the most critical things. You know, when you think about everything from the physiology, you know, and thank God for guys like Wim Hof and, and all the science that's come from him in studying a man like him, but also even taking it further, you know, into, into holotropic breathing and shamangelic breathing and what you're doing. And, and it's funny, I, I know I've, I've, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I certainly have, you know, to the fit for service members who have many of which have been through, um, your breathwork guidance is that the first time I did it, having all the experience with plant medicines and psychedelics, I remember talking to John Wolf at on it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, he's, he's got some plant medicine experience. And I was like, but I, how is it? And he's like, dude, it's, it's bro. It's visionary. And I was like, you got visions on it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you have, you have fucking visions. And I was like, all right, cool. And I still like half believed him. And I was like, I'll, I'll do it just so I have. Yeah. I, I mean, I always want to, I always want to give people, meet them where they're at, but then give people a variety of tools, right? We all need tools and we need a, a medicine bag that can accommodate people who aren't willing to jump into the legal gray area or the, the not legal area, you know, and I'm fully respectful of that. There are some people who through conditioning or through worry of going to jail, which is very real, um, who don't want to, you know, have a mushroom ceremony in their backyard or on the land or any of these things, but, but, uh, to be able to give somebody an access point, you know, is it's important to me. And I was blown the fuck away. 
I mean, yeah. I was I was on a different. I mean, it was so visionary and I really unmistakable from a plant. Other than the fact that I had to push myself there, you know, that there is um. It it is there's a level of of give that's necessary when you go through the breath work mm -hmm. that that you can't just you don't just swallow the pill and get taken to, to <laughs> the visionary state. You have to work for it. And I think that's also really important. You know, it's not not somebody taking you by the hand and dragging you there. Like you fully have to be the one that's committed to taking yourself as deep as you need to go at that time. But when you're there, undeniable the level of vision, undeniable yeah. the level, the palpability and the feel of it, of getting cracked wide open as deep as any medicine journey that I've done. And that says a lot. Um, it, it really does. And, and I just want to, I want to dive into that, you know. You've been doing this for a very long time. You've been guiding people. You've been teaching people how to become guides. And it is such an important practice. And of course, here in, in I think, a month or so, um, we'll be back in Sedona guiding people through that. But I'd love for you to touch on that, the importance of this, what it does for us, and the fact that we have access to this. Um, it's, of all the things in my medicine bag, it's my favorite because it can be tailored and meet anybody where they are. And the way I facilitate breath work, as you know, is different than most. And um, it's a shamanic journey for sure. And what is unique about what I call shamangelic breath work is that for me, it's really about creating the womb space, a safe space, a welcoming space that allows someone to feel what they're ready to feel, to see what they're ready to see, or to express what they're ready to express. And that's going to look different for everybody. There's no right ceremony. There's no right experience. It might be visionary. It might be emotional. It might be physical. There's no one way. There's no right way. Um, and every time I've received you know, a, a breathwork experience or journey ceremony, it's always been different when I'm not trying to control it. And this is a, there's a level of surrender that says, you know, I, I trust the journey to take me where I'm meant to go. And I trust the breath as a shaman to take each participant, and I'm, I'm guided by the breath as the shaman, to weave deeply into the field and the journey of each person and potentiate, um, support, guide, hold, expand, express, um, tailored with each person and I think that's what's different is that it's it's less for me and the approach that I use about whether you're doing a triple inhale and a <laughs> and a you know a three second infinity loop exhale with one half lung and then the other lung holding for it's for me it's it's not that you're not breathing because it's 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 about the willingness to allow the breath to drop into the basement of the most tender places where your inner child is existing. The courageous superhero of your inner child that is confident and capable and at the same time and is wanting to be set free completely and knows, knows its own power and its own path and its own truth and its own voice and all of the things that are inhibiting that. Uh, the great pain or rejection, abandonment, the stories, the wounds, the traumas. And shamangelic breathwork is a pathway in to hold the soul 
and meet the soul wherever we find the breath in that moment of the journey. And because it is an eyes closed journey, we can move through layers of time. It's not like we're just meeting the inner child at seven, because we might also meet a past lifetime. We might meet a guide. We might meet a future self. I'm not in charge of where that goes. My responsibility is to be the steward to deepen the journey. And, you know, one of my favorite times facilitating with you brothers is right here at Spirit Ranch. And there was, I think, eight of you doing a, a, a brotherhood weekend. And you all big dudes, like dude dudes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Tate yeah, Fletcher. McCobb. Right, Bacob. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, big dudes, dude dudes. And, um, and yet having the blessing and the opportunity to hold the feminine space for each of you to be gentle, to cry, to be seen, to be held, to be vulnerable, without the walls, the facade, the hats, the, the, the barriers, um, the shields, the weapons, and actually, because so many of you um, coming in as men, have played the warrior in past lives. You've had to have the weapon, you've had to have the shield because you were protecting the women and children and have come in with that paradigm still intact at times that it's not safe for me to put down my shield, it's not safe for me to put down my weapon because you can't trust anybody and, and I have to protect my back and I can't be vulnerable because um, I may be taken advantage of. And these are, these are old paradigms that are dissolving so that the brothers can actually be vulnerable in each other's space and that it's not seen as a weakness because you were not at war anymore. And that's a big, that's a big shift. We're, we're not at war right now. You know, we, 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 we're not. We don't need the weapons right now. And, but, I, but I've gone to bed with my with my knife, I've gone to bed with my shield for so many lifetimes because you had to. And it's a big shift to move out of the warrior space. And that doesn't mean we're not still holding the role as protector and guardian when it's time. But for most of the time, that's not what is needed. Just like I see you with wolf or with bear, there's no weapon, there's no wall, your silliness, you're not guarding anything, you're, you, you have bared your soul here on this podcast, your personal life, your, your journey, your feelings, your emotion, your tears, you have dropped the weapons, you have dropped the shields. And one of my favorite experiences in, in, in facilitating breath work is to be able to meet somebody, especially bros, <laughs> that are have a warrior vibe in their tenderness to roll them over on the side and hold them you know like the little boys at times that you are and to to meet and see and hold that part that is wounded afraid neglected um feels abandoned or not good enough at times and just keeps the facade up and there's such power in that when all of you do that together and you support each other in doing that. And, you know, I do women's circles where, wow, we can actually pull the daggers 
out of each other's backs that we place there because we're jealous or insecure of another sister. And I feel like we're not good enough. And so I feel like the breath work is a deep journey into the tenderness, into the shadows. And also, you know, when we get into the shadow part, the, sh the shaman isn't afraid to go into the darkness and look at the shadow and the pain and allow rage if rage needs to come. The first time I did breath work, Kyle, rage was the first thing that came out because little girls aren't supposed to be angry. And so for all the times that I was hurt or unfair, things w that I was wounded or any of that, the, the part of me that w my primal, authentic emotion was this is not okay, got stuffed for until decades later, until into my 30s, where rage was the first thing that came out with breathwork, followed by sobbing and sobbing and the sadness of, the wounds and the disappointments and the and the you know the the losses that never got grieved because nobody knew how to hold space for grief nobody knew how to honor sacred anger and so for all of those watching and listening shamanjelic breathwork is the safe container to allow the primal expression uh, its space whether that is sadness whether that is rage whether that is grief, whether that is a boundary that wasn't able to be set as a child, like, no, this is my body, or no, this is not okay, um, that we give space to that. And I think that that's what's so powerful healing. And we also give space to be fabulous and to allow your wings to spread and to allow Pe peacock medicine yes <laughs> yes absolutely and your eagle your angel your higher self we also in the angelic spaces allow you to see your true essence again which is the journey home to remembering when we dissolve all of those things that have been in the way blocking that vision so i have found that, that having guided thousands <laughs> thousands of people through shamanjelic breathwork that um, it's such an honor to hold a soul through that journey, as you felt when you've guided people through the experience, what an honor and a privilege it is to be holding space in their journey. There's something that I, that I want to touch on that's such an important piece. And as you know, in any of these altered states of consciousness, whether it be ayahuasca, psilocybin, breath work, uh, the original vision quest of no food, no water for yeah. four days out on the land. Um, but maybe more so with ayahuasca and the breath work is the, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to the parallels of in ceremony, sure. altered state and the parallel of our actual living, waking reality, what we perceive in normal consciousness is that it's a shared ceremony and that's so powerful i understood i first learned that in ayahuasca because mo many of my mushroom journeys were um guided with you know my my first medicine man witsi on on a native american reservation sometimes it was just me and him yeah you know it was a private ceremony sometimes it was a couple other fighters uh when my wife had her first ceremony tosh it was just the two of us and that was powerful but it didn't it didn't really show me what it meant to be in not my ceremony, our ceremony. Yeah, the. And and ayahuasca gave me that. I mean, people are throwing up to me left and right, and I'm like, 
fuck it. This is going to pull me out of my vision. This is, I'm, I'm not going to have my, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's, it's our ceremony. Okay. This is, that's okay. And there's a very deep realization and knowing of that when you're in the breathwork space, because somebody may be laughing hysterically. Somebody may be screaming at the top of their lungs. Um, somebody may be growling while they're breathing. You know what I mean? They're, everyone has all. their own, oh yeah. God, everyone has their all. own experience. And in that yeah. you realize this is a shared experience. Well, that's what, you know, what, somebody's rage over on the other side of the room might give you permission. Mm -hmm. Somebody's um, swearing might trigger your own trauma. And it's meant to. You're meant to, it's meant to take you to your edge. And, you know, one of my first ceremonies, the guy next to me was just flailing his arms, literally hitting me. And at a time in my life, when I was wanting to run in, and, and hide, you know, run away from a situation, in that ceremony, what, I, what that person next to me that was hitting me, like it catalyzed in me this primal truth of I need my space. And you know what? In my daily life, I was facing where I was running from my space and I wasn't claiming it. All I needed to do in that ceremony and my, the brother next to me brought it out in me of me expressing, I need my space and damn it, I needed to take it. I moved myself in the ceremony, during the ceremony, I moved myself to claim my space and it was like, yeah, that's what I needed. And so the person next to you in the space, whether it's alone, as I do lots of solo ceremonies, couples ceremonies, family ceremonies, women, men, you name it, uh, groups, and the container is a part of the medicine. It will be a part of the alchemy that is unique. The time, what is happening with the, the celestial. Hello, hummingbird. Um, what is happening with the elements? Uh, what is happening um, with the calendar? What is happening in community? All of those things can influence uh, the ceremony and where, where it needs to go. And I've always just come to this place of trusting that, oh, this person was supposed to be here, but n they're not feeling well. Yeah, because it's not, they're not meant to be here. And this person, this last minute person is, is here now. And it's like, yeah, because that's what they need. And the, the alchemy of the people in the ceremony is very powerful. And, you know, one of the things that I think is important is because it is an altered state of consciousness, what, what can happen, what can, it's not always, but what it can happen is the altered state of consciousness where you can leave your body or go forward and back in time or go to a past life is that you have somebody that knows what they're doing and holding space. Because I do, and I think I've shared this with you before of, of just doing a lot of cleanup work around where at times people aren't taking the, the ceremonial aspect of it or the container or the stewardship of souls moving in and out of their bodies. That is an ethical responsibility, which I hold in high esteem and high regard. And it's a high um, integrity uh, role for me. And it, when I teach it that way, that's how I teach it in my, in my courses. Like, look, you are responsible to hold the container clear, keep your stuff at the door, and also keep them safe and keep the energy in the space clear so that everybody leaves more whole. And, and not every ceremonialist, not every ayahuasquero, you, you know, not everyone that is disseminating 
or holding space for an altered state is taking that level of integrity and consciousness. And that's when you have ceremonies or situations go sideways and the experience becomes a, a poison more than a medicine. You know, it becomes a, a, like a snake bite versus a snake rattle. You know, it's different. So, you know, that level of mindfulness that to be, to be moving into ceremony with consciousness, I believe, and, and yeah. integrity, whether you're receiving or holding space. Super important. I've, talk, I've spoken about that many, many times. There's a lot of people pouring medicine stateside, playing iPods that, uh, you know, they're, they're not quite black belts yet and they don't fully understand that. Um, but the, that aside, table that part of it, you know, this, this understanding that it's not just my ceremony it's not just my life it's not just humanity's ceremony was we understand our place in the sacred hoop and remember all our relations and all of our connection points with the earth here our great mother it becomes more and more apparent that we have greater and greater responsibility as stewards of the planet. Absolutely. And stewards of those that don't have a voice, whether that is that if that's the children, whether that is the plants, whether that's the animals, whether that's Mother Nature herself. It, when we really drop into the connectedness of all things, which is a homatakwayasan, that that Lakota Indian greeting to all my relations, then we are awakening to the remembering that, oh, I'm a daughter, I'm a son of Mother Earth, and I have a sacred responsibility to steward it properly. I have a sacred responsibility to be advocating for sustainable practices. And um, it's, it's uh, you know, we've, we've, we've come to enjoy our creature comforts and every time I look at or touch plastic, I'm like, this is not a sustainable solution. And, you know, looking at every choice as, is this sustainable? Is this respectful um, to the plants and the animals and to Mother Nature and to seven generations forward? So it, it, it does begin to shift our perspective to more of a stewardship one and to look at, like I said before, we're going to be looking at the the sustainable the, you know what programs are working within us and now we're looking at what lifestyle habits of consumption are working within us to just buy 24 plastic bottles and think that that's okay it's it's absolutely not okay it's not sustainable and it's not respectful and so we're learning what's another way i can be with water without the plastic as an example Mm -hmm. One you of know. many, 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 many. One of many yeah. things, and I realize, you know, when I go into, you know, I can buy, I can buy this food from the bin, or I can buy it in plastic. You know, and I can just buy Brussels sprouts or broccoli without the plastic on it. It's just right there without the. I don't have to buy it cut up and in a plastic container. <laughs> it's like I, a little, little. As I, as I sip from my plastic bottle. Right. <laughs> and and. And so as we move through the eye of the needle, we're also doing that as we awaken to what you said about uh, our responsibility to Mother Earth. Then we're going to start to look at all of our choices and see how they can shift into more sustainable ones. I love it. Um, we have very few places that we can travel to as of this podcast. I think uh, my buddies at Soltara, which... Is one of my favorite places to do ayahuasca. They're reopening, I think, in November, if everything holds up. But as of this moment, 
people can still travel to you. Absolutely, correct? Arizona has has been really, and you know, since like late May June, um, the land is your healer, your sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely, come to Sedona, and yes, I'm available to do private retreats, group retreats, one-on-one sessions. Um, shamangelic healing here in Sedona is that's my passion and my dharma and my service is to support people through their healing journey and their spiritual awakening following their soul's mission and uh, that's that's my passion and and my pleasure and oh I want to give a gift to everybody is is since we've been talking about animal spirits so much then I want to give a guided animal spirit journey oh I love it yeah yeah so that will take them into the animal world into this this kind of underworld of the animal kingdom to receive an animal guide to take them on a journey and, and give them some guidance. So we'll give that as a free gift to everybody. I love it. Thank you so much. You have been a gift and a guide and a mentor to me and my wife. And uh, from the moment we met you, I... Yeah, honey. Yeah. <sighs> I've learned so much from you, yeah. and I continue to, and I love you very much. Yeah. Thank it's you for mutual. the work that you're doing. Thank you. It's mutual. There is a kindredness, as we just had a beautiful blessing for your daughter, Wolf, and we did a you know a welcoming her into um, this tribe and into humanity and her soul, uh, her soul's wisdom in this little body. And I see you, brother. I've seen you from the moment uh, we met, and also Tosh and and grateful to the medicine that you're carrying and holding and continuing to refine and learn. And you are a, a way shower as you find your way yourself. And, and me too. You've taught me a lot as well. Mm. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Anahata. Where can people find you before we go? Yes. Well, in Sedona, shamangelichealing.com is where you can find me. I'm um, on socials at uh, Anahata Ananda. And on uh, YouTube and all of that. And so I have a podcast, Shamangelic Healing Podcast. You are on that. That's so right. is Aubrey. You know, lots of the fam are on the Shamangelic Healing Podcast. And, and you know, um, there's upcoming events happening. So definitely come and check it out and grab that free gift for sure. Yay. We got some kid medicine in the background here, but this is where we'll leave it. We love y'all. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with Anahata Ananda. We've got a lot of links to her website and many of her gifts. And as mentioned, in times like this, it is important that we focus on how we find our own inner peace so we can make good decisions and that we keep our own personal sovereignty over our awareness, over the actions and what we choose is right for us and, and really just how to navigate in an uncertain time. How do I live in a place of peace so that I'm a better person for myself, my own interpersonal kingdom? How do I do that so that I'm a better father, husband, mother, daughter, any of these things? Um, and Anahata has been instrumental in my success in learning some of these avenues for that. She's also been instrumental in me learning how to really crack wide open without the use of plant medicines. And as many of you know, I'm a huge fan of that, still a huge fan of that. And at the same time, breathwork is such a critical piece of our human existence and that is always available to us you can learn a lot more from her by checking out her website which we've linked to in the show notes next week we've got 
two episodes coming out. My boy, Shervin from Symbiotica, who will be a regular on this podcast. Uh, very few times I've had a guest on where I was like, fuck, we got to run this back immediately. But Shervin is that dude. And uh, he's got a pretty big following online. I think it's at Shervin333 on Instagram. Um, but yeah, if you want to check him out and his stuff, that was a podcast that I really enjoyed. And then Mickey Willis, as I mentioned in the intro, is coming on the filmmaker who who created Plandemic and Plandemic Indoctrination. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes for you just so you can see it. I would love it if you had seen the second one, Indoctrination, before you watch it. Uh, if not, I mean, there's been 1 billion views of the original Plandemic and, of course, Plandemic Indoctrination, which just came out, is uh, is rapidly increasing. My dude, J.P. Sears, has been on the front lines of this uh, well as well. And, um, you know, he set me up with Mickey, so... I am absolutely thrilled to have him face-to-face in Austin, Texas for this interview coming up here in a couple of weeks. I love y'all. Be well, and we'll chat soon.